0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hey, Look, Listen. My name is Owen O'Reardon. Joining me, once again, the beautiful, doesn't hit people at the Oscars, Liam Sheehan. Topical very topical. Well, you know this this podcast is always always on trend. We're always yeah. speaking about the latest and greatest. Oh yeah, yeah, like we talk about 1998 and Metal Gear Solid, you know, <laughs> and and stuff like that. Did you uh, actually um The Moon Knight um new MCU show starring Oscar Isaac. It was super <laughs> fucking embarrassing. I don't know if you saw it, Liam, but the uh IGN had asked him like what's the status on the Metal Gear Solid movie. Oh yeah. Oh, it's just it's such an Oscar Isaac response. He's like you know, we're figuring it out. We're we're solid snaking it. You know, we're we're crawling in <laughs> vents and we're in boxes. We're trying to figure out the that's story. Not about, that's character. the opposite of embarrassing. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that, <laughs> uh, Liam. Of course, this is the episode that was that we're um, yeah, reshooting, re-recording. You yeah, could I revealed. Say. I revealed that in the last episode. Is that okay? Actually,
1: I revealed uh, the inner workings of our of our failure.
0: Yeah. What was the last episode that you did solo again? Says, why don't you top, know f- top ten PlayStation yeah. four <laughs> games You know, Liam, you're you. I, I love listening to your, your your solo episodes. You're an infectious personality disease. And, and, <laughs> a disease, yeah. I <laughs> suppose you could say that. The the one thing I have to say, and I have to give you credit for, every single time that you record something solo, um, mm-hmm. man, I always just want to play everything that you speak about. Oh, that's, that's very that's very nice, Owen. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to pick up Bloodborne. Shit, nice! <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>
1: like, <laughs> that, that's that's a genuine reaction there because I'm like all about from software stuff at the moment. Uh, that's so good to hear. You'll love it. Um, I don't need to sell it again. No, I know I sold it already. I have I, I, I had to go into a whole speech selling it to you. There, no,
0: it's great that you're getting it. It's an awesome game. Well, two games that we're going to try and sell to each other. Not that, to be honest, they need much selling. Both of them have sold millions of copies, and the, the mm-hmm. developers of the games are far richer than both you and I. <laughs> um, but, of course, you know, the games that we are currently playing are the games that we're actually discussing today.
1: And it kind of um, we're, we're going to use them to talk about the wider spectrum of open-world games. Exactly. And yeah. you know what,
0: Liam? I'm actually kind of happy that this episode got delayed because... I've been able to sit on the discourse of these two behemoths. What well, you know, one of them is a established franchise, and I'm certainly um, Elden Ring, which is the game that you will be bringing to the table today. Um, you know, has sold 12 million copies in its first two weeks. Um, do you know what? Do you know what
1: outsold it in Japan though?
0: Kirby. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah brilliant i actually so I, I was just saying to you before we kicked off the show i'm going to ireland uh for a low-key vacation and i feel like kirby might be that
1: perfect airplane game yeah i'm trying to convince fiona to play it co-op with me I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying convince like she doesn't want to play it she needs to find the time i think it'll be a super fun chill comfy game comfy game he comfy eats, eats stuff game. he eats he's like he's a terrible monster if you actually like <laughs> if you actually
0: analyze him but he, he's adorable of course, voted 21's sexiest Nintendo character. Um, so, Liam, today we are talking about Elden Ring and Horizon yeah. Forbidden West. Yes. Um, of course, you know, Jonathan isn't here because he's got a case of the PS5s. Um, he got a PS5, we,
1: didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. We,
0: we, we've lost him to Elden Ring.
1: He's playing Elden Ring. Yeah, I'm delighted to hear that. I was like, Marcy, if you ever need to summon me in for some help... I'm always there because I I was doing that with my friend Kev, who um who was on the Bloodborne episode. I summoned him in for a boss I couldn't beat, and it was just so fun. It's it, it, like, it actually so fun to kind of uh, fight a boss multiplayer in that game. I, I,
0: I like, eventually, I I look forward to diving into diving into Elden Ring myself at some stage. Um, but Liam, you've actually finished the game. Yeah, which it, I think puts you in the top ten percentile. I did. I finished it. Um, I
1: put it down for about a week, actually. Because the whole game is structured around beating these five bosses. And when you're getting towards the fifth boss, I was like, oh, is this the end of the game? But no, it's not. There's loads after it. So I kind of built myself up for (laughs) kind of a finale. And I kind of had that, oh, no, I have hours left. So I had to put it down for a week. And then I picked it up again and uh, finished it. It's actually funny. Like, I almost would prefer talking about this game the last time when we tried to record this episode. Because I need to kind of remember kind of the initial... um, hours of playing this game because all i can think of right now is the final 10 hours which might be one of the hardest gameplay i've ever done and i'm trying to think like i need to talk about the open worldness of elden ring and how spectacular it was rather than just uh, fighting the same boss over and over again for hours which very much defined my last 10 hours with that game i think it's one of if not the hardest game i've ever played i think it's much harder than bloodborne
0: well, I, I find I can, it so difficult you know,
1: we, we don't have a video version but you've aged I'm so tired. Like I, I messaged you. I was literally like, when I beat the last boss, I was like, I'm not even happy. I just feel free. I just now I can move on with my life. It changed the atmosphere in my apartment for a day. I was getting so pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting so angry. And actually, there's a hidden secret boss in it called Melania, and I beat her. Uh, she was hard. She's actually kind of not a good boss. She's kind of bullshit. I beat her. But for the final, final boss, I actually called in my good friend, Kev Carl to multiplayer. And it was still spectacularly hard multiplayer. Like, it wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was cheating. I was just like, Kev, I can't. I've been fighting this boss for seven hours. I cannot beat them. And we finished the multiplayer, and it was actually a really cool moment. Just the two of us, like I can finally finishing off that boss. And I, I, I was like, okay, fine. I can stop playing this game now. But I am going to champion a lot on this episode, though, despite that. Of course. <laughs> I, I, I really wanted it to end,
0: though. I really did. I got to the point where I was like, please, I, I have enough. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's almost the opposite kind of reaction that I had with my playtime of Horizon Forbidden West. I think I put it in our group chat, or or else I just pinged you directly, and I was like, okay. 35, 37 hours is what I put into it. Yeah. And at the very end of mine, I think I said, yeah, no, I definitely said it to you guys. I was like, I think this is the first open world game that I'm actually now going to go back into post game. Really? Yeah. And not, not do a new game plus of it or anything like that. But, you know, the essentially the world is your oyster Um, go do whatever outstanding missions, um, side quests, collectibles there are. Um, I put another probably 10 hours in after that. um, And then I decided, you know, uh, enough was enough for me. But it Hmm. was the opposite, right? It was, uh, I had a bittersweet ending with it. And I did it on my terms. um, And I was was happy and relaxed to put it down. And I felt, you know what? It's appropriate. I've done enough. I'm happy.
1: Yeah, I get that as well. Like I I think I put 110 hours into Elden Ring and I think there's about 150 hours of content there on a on a single playthrough without doing new game plus. There was a bunch of side quests that I didn't do. And like I've been looking online and YouTube, things I didn't discover. I'm like, where is this massive dragon? I didn't fight him. You know, stuff like that. But I literally was at a point where I was like, "You know, I feel like I got my money's worth. But even beyond that, I feel like just emotionally, I love this game enough already. I don't need to play more of it. I was very happy to just not do 40 more hours of it to do do those side quests, you know? (laughs) Of
0: course. And what's super interesting, Liam, and part of the reason why we obviously wanted to have this conversation is these two games came out within the span of a week.
1: Yeah, Horizon, um, you know, uh, Elden Ring came out second, and it came out a week after
0: Horizon did. Yeah, A week after Horizon, yeah. and you know, it is now the running joke that the Horizon franchise is followed <laughs> the week after by what people regard as potentially the greatest games ever created. Oh, with- it's the
1: open world games even. I, they must have dug up Indian Burial Ground or something like that. I, they're so cursed. They released, not, but the first one, Horizon um, Zero, Dawn released Zero Dawn, not uh, it released on the same day as Zelda Breath of the Wild. It wasn't even a week apart. It was the same day. And then this one released like a week before Elden Ring, like two kind of groundbreaking
0: open world adventures. It's really so unfortunate for them because I kind of feel like it takes away from their, their
1: spotlight. What, the,
0: what yeah, what the running joke is now that people are saying it's like okay, what's what's the next big re- big release, which will be something along the lines of a uh, Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, yeah, it would be the week after um, the, <laughs> the Third the Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's you know part of the interesting conversation is it's um is the concept of the open world game and i think that these two games are so radically different yeah um and you know this is part of the reason why uh why i love gaming but i I wanted to come to the table today to kind of discuss the the differences i've kind of stayed clear of a lot of of the intricacies of what Elden Ring provides, and um, uh, you know, yeah. without um, going into full spoiler territory, that I was hoping that you'd be able to well, speak actually, to us about today. Well, you know?
1: I've actually avoided Horizon Forbidden West as well, only because it's such a story-driven game that I don't even know. I don't even know the story like twist in the first game, so I'm actually avoiding the story of Horizon in general. So because of that, I, I know very little about um, Forbidden West, except that I've seen videos of it. I'm super jealous of um, it graphically. It looks
0: it looks stunning. Um, yeah i know I I, I I think that's it, it's a good place to you know to ju- to to jump in right yeah. as in um i'll be the first to say from a visual standpoint um horizon forbidden west is a it's a showcase mm-hmm. um you know the the playstation 5 um to a certain degree probably lacked that one big triple a game that shows the power of a console now mind you this is you know you can play the game on playstation 4 and supposedly it runs really well i've watched all of the tech comparisons um but i played this thing you know on resolution mode because playstation uh the, the next generation of consoles really is about quality of life right they give you the options of do you want a 4k resolution at 30 frames per second or do you want to run it at 60 frames per second at like a 1080p or a 1440p and this game is generally, I'd go for, you know, the 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 higher uh, frame rate, but Horizon made me stop and say, you know what, this thing is so goddamn beautiful. I'm fine with, you know, thirty frames per second, and it works because the the game slows down so much, especially when you're fighting, because you go into um, a lot of slow mo moments. But it really was a true showcase um, at this early, you know, twelve no about four sixteen 16 months into the playstation yeah, it's 5's. actually longer and longer than i thought actually i was looking that up recently because i still don't have one i think this is the longest i
1: haven't bought the next playstation
0: and you yeah. know i i would arguably say that there there wasn't much reason to buy one until yeah, right. you know uh a horizon came out and it's just a combination of of sheer beauty of you know lighting of visual effects um, one thing that like completely stood out for me is we recently got a, um, a Sonos soundbar um, that you know does essentially Dol- Dolby Atmos, which is a form of 3D sound. And never before in a game have I like used this speaker where I'm sitting down. And I'm just like, holy shit! This world is so engrossing mm. just from a sound standpoint of like standing in a forest yeah yeah like a like a real showcase um whilst i think elden ring is not that it's from what i've seen but it's a bit grimier <laughs> it's a beautiful game
1: now i'm playing it on the ps4 unfortunately so i don't get the the the, the beautiful next gen one but it's absolute beautiful game but it is kind of you know like a from soft kind of thing it is it, it can be grimy it can be a little bit uh, desolate and barren, but that's just by design. It's like, even on the PS4,
0: there's moments in that game that absolutely floored me. Tell me, Liam. hmm From, you know, I it feels like Elden Ring, from what I've seen, drew inspiration from elements of, you know, a, a, a game that's both close to our hearts, Breath of the Wild.
1: I wonder. I, I wonder if it actually did, because I wonder how long the production of Elden Ring was, whether, like... Uh, they actually had time to be inspired by breath of the wild but even if they weren't it is five years on from breath of the wild it is really the next game that i feel is carrying the torch of what breath of the wild did for open world games even if even if it's just coincidental and it wasn't actually directly influenced by it they're very similar and uh for me it was a joy because i thought breath of the breath of the wild was hugely influential when it came out five years ago but we haven't really seen Kind of a lot of its DNA in that much more games. We still got what I consider to be kind of um, run the mill open world games since then. So I was delighted to see Elden Ring kind of um, have all the kind of elements that I love about uh, the exploration and discovery uh, and how to kind of navigate through an open world game.
0: So th- that's one of the things that I've been hearing as part of the discourse, which is this navigation. And uh, it's this is where you could almost divide. Horizon as an open world game and Elden Ring as an right, open world yeah. game. Because Elden Ring, to the best of my knowledge, and of course you are the expert, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't guide you, does it? It does. So you it it, guide, it guides you on a singular path, if you'd like. So you get to
1: these things called Sights of Grace, which are basically checkpoints, save points, bonfires, to use Dark Souls terminology, and that's where you can kind of level up your character and you can uh, rest and, and regain your health. But at those ones, it actually points a line of light in the direction so if you want to kind of follow that light you can and it'll kind of funnel you to the next kind of area and when that game begins and you emerge from the initial cave and there's a short tutorial that's optional you could do in there you kind of you're out in this big um open part of the world called Limgrave, and it, it, it truly is open you can go in any way you want but what's more interesting to me than the sights of grace kind of pointing you in, in, in a direction if you want is that they they very purposefully designed that world to kind of there's a castle on a a mountain that's very clear no matter where you are in Limgrave, and now you talk to an npc right outside that cave who's literally like hey go to stormvale castle go to this castle but even if you don't talk to him you're going to kind of get directed towards that castle no matter what direction you go in it's very um clear on the horizon and i love stuff like that i love just the kind of environmental language kind of dictating where you go and you can walk right by that castle if you want you don't need to go there but if you do that's where the first main boss is and i love i i think it's really interesting um Naughty Dog did it in like Uncharted Four as well in their open world part, whereas like not really relying on anything but the kind of um, the vistas to
0: kind of pull you forward. And Breath of the Wild did it wonderfully as well. Yeah, and that's where you know I think a big difference probably between these two games is you know Horizon probably a bit more comparable to what you might call a Ubisoft esque yeah, open right. world, which is you know you open up the start menu and you can go to your map, and it's chock-a-block full of icons.
1: Yeah, I found that with Horizon 1 as well, which is a game I, I didn't finish, but it's a game I enjoyed, but that was my main thing. It just kind of felt like, despite how beautiful the world was, how much of that game was just me squinting at icons, yeah. either on my radar in the bottom right, or whatever the radar is in that game, or in the map
0: screen itself. It's just too many, man, too many. And, you know, what What really surprised me was you know i i think i've said it on this podcast before i you know i'm a big advocate for um the first horizon it re- really drew me in but it actually wasn't until the second time and i think a lot of these for me i think open world games specifically you have sometimes you really need to be in the right mind frame and the right oh, mood to sure. like to totally absorb you right and i think for it was my second playthrough and i just like i booked it and i was just super intent on doing the story right um i had done a lot of the side stuff during like my first playthrough so i didn't i didn't necessarily feel the need because i knew what that was um but in the second one super surprising that it takes well it took me seven to eight hours to even get into the open world part of the game which um i think for some people is definitely like what the hell what kind of design choice <laughs> is this because you know it's 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 earmarked as a open world game but it reminded me um it reminded me of kind of like final fantasy 13 in that in in that bit right it's like i actually didn't that's not a good comparison for me <laughs> <laughs> you love final fantasy 13 i don't <laughs> you don't but a, a far more truncated version of how gotcha. that game opens up so it's, is, it,
1: uh, is it totally linear for those seven hours pretty much driven
0: yeah pretty much you're getting, you're getting up to speed with characters um you're getting up to speed with the story it's kind of it's a bit introductory-esque into okay uh this is a tutorial on how to you know trap how to tear off um you know dinosaur machine parts uh, which is a huge component of the game, um but it 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 really is just like a bit of a world building post the first game. Um, and is it is it to catch people up to speed if they
1: haven't played the first game, or is it very much no? This is a sequel, and we're beginning the story now. If you
0: haven't played the first game, you're kind of whatever. uh It's I think it's far more. um It's a sequel esque. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of tr- it's surprisingly actually it it throws you in of of um, of. Um, there's a new plague. I'm uh, the kind of world savior. It's my job to help everyone. Okay, now we're doing it, and now here's a catch up with some characters. Um, <laughs> hey, and remember then, me
1: from the first game? Kind yeah, of
0: thing. Th- that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so, like, it was very surprising. Then, then it totally, totally opens up into its uh, open world, which, you know, is one stunning. Which you know we covered, but two, from an accessibility standpoint one of the most surprising things and uh a huge but you know very nuanced thing is like you can decide how you want to play that game right um and they give you the the menu options to turn off as many icons um as you want you can have it totally clear and just you know, play the yep. game that way as, as pure awesome. discovery um and that's kind of that's what i found myself doing which is like for 80 percent of the game i had everything on but you know it's a saturday morning i wake up early and i'm like you know what i'm gonna upgrade some pouches today <laughs> so I, I just go in to the, ma- in the game or in real life oh in real life in, just in your in your canada life <laughs> <laughs> and those waypoints are the only ones i set for the day and i sit down and i try on a podcast for an hour or two hours um you know i subscribe to ours which everyone can do through major uh <laughs> podcasting services of course I'm
1: smooth man that's why we're that's why we're the top
0: yeah, that is why they talk, um, and that's you know that's how I would spend my time, and I wasn't overburdened with oh my god, there's so much to do, um, yeah. and you know focus on the main story when you wanted to focus on the main story, and that I'm scared of Elden Ring, man, it scares the fucking shit out of me. What do you mean now? Like, <laughs> Get serious now. Why are you scared
1: of it? Why are you scared um,
0: of it? I'm like, I just don't know what the, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm afraid. That of the I'm difficulty just...
1: or of the open worldness of it, which the is open it? world intimidates me, man. Really, yeah, because it, it's it's massive. It, it is huge, but it's not like empty and gar- like it's not like empty and um, unnecessarily big. And it's very much segmented into very you know key areas. So you you'll be in one area at the beginning of the game, um, and you'll nosy around that, and like it'll move, it'll funnel you on to the next one. So you always kind of feel like you're kind doing it bit by bit, but own, what what's, what's fantastic about it is, and it's very similar to Breath of the Wild. I think what's really interesting about Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring together as open world games is they're not story driven games, which is, is actually really interesting for an open mm-hmm. world game because often, you know, with like something like Horizon or anything or uh, one of my favorite open world games actually just for the open worldness of it, just, sorry, just for like the design of the world is actually Red Dead Redemption 2. And that's hugely story driven as well. But I can feel like in those games is that um, the story has been taken out and kind of placed around a gigantic map. And your kind of journey between two story points doesn't feel as important as hitting those, those points where the story happens. So it can kind of feel like uh, traveling from A to B is just kind of busy work. Sometimes when you don't have a story to rely on, the traveling becomes the story. And I think Breath of the Wild did that amazingly. And Elden Ring does that amazingly as well. And you won't be intimidated by the open world of Elden Ring as soon as you're in it, because it's just genuinely engrossing. And it's because you're not traveling to a marker, or unless you are, you can set your own markers if you want. But it's because you're literally um, discovering things and it's you're being led by curiosity. And it's wonderful at that. It's wonderful at the, I found a random cave. Now sometimes you'll just go in and there'll be a chest there, very video gamey. But there are times you would be like where am I now? What have I discovered? There's one that's been talked about a lot where there is an is an elevator just east of there's a forest just east of kind of the beginning area and the enemies are quite hard in there. There's gigantic like really buff bears. Like they're the buffest bears I've ever seen, man. <laughs> and uh, so you might be intimidated to go in there cuz the enemies are quite hard, but if you if you noodle around, you find this elevator. And he's, oh, I'll go down here. This is a secret area I found. And it just, like, the elevator is about, like, two minutes long. It's, like, really, like, intentionally slow. And you go down into this, like, massive underground city where, like, the the roofs of the cave cavern looks like stars. And it's just this ancient place. And it's, like, what have I discovered? And, And you can spend hours in that place. And it just came out of nowhere. And that's what Elden Ring is fantastic about. Or fantastic at doing. And Breath of the Wild was, too. I'm going. I'm going to go here. This is this is my. I'm gonna. I want to go to this castle in the Elden Ring. But you won't just go to that castle. Your 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 attention is going to be grabbed left or right. And I, I swear you won't be. You'll just enjoy it as soon
0: as you're playing it. You won't be intimidated. Can, can you? Let me ask you this. Can you? Is there like MacGuffins, or can you just? Is the end goal okay? There's a castle. You're going to the castle, and if you get to the castle, mm-hmm. can you theoretically progress without having done anything? But you know, but us being gamers knowingly. You're not going to be able to progress because you're totally underpowered. Yeah, it's, they'll throw a boss at you and you'll be kind of like
1: this boss is like they do it very intentionally at that cast. I'm talking about Storm Castle. There's a there's a boss outside it called Margit the Fell. And just go onto YouTube, there's a lot of um people who for, started playing that game who had a lot of trouble with him, and I did too. And um he's very much kind of like teaching you the idea and which about that this is one of the best things um about Elden Ring in comparison to Bloodborne for me is that sometimes in Bloodborne, like you get to a boss and you get stuck and you kind of feel, I can't beat him. Now, there's other ways to go, but not many, you know. The great thing about Elden Ring is that if you get to a boss and you're you're struggling with him, there is a hundred more things you could be doing. Go off, go on a little adventure, start leveling up, and you won't feel like you're kind of wasting your time because you you can't beat that boss. You'll feel like you're just going playing the game. And then when you go back to him next time, you will be stronger. And I think there's very intentionally that boss, Margaret, is very kind of saying to the player, this guy's too strong for you. Just go somewhere else, man. <laughs> just go. And um, that's kind of the, the structure of the game, like I said, I think is there's five bosses to kill, five demigods. And you got You don't know... You, you, there's a guy who tells you about their backstory and where they are generally on the map. You just got to explore and find them. So the
0: MacGuffins are those five bosses. So how and, is... And what form is the actual you know the backstory and the details of all of this when oh, I finish I the game you. I, I finished the game I'm not sure what the story is <laughs> <laughs> it's the
1: same it's how they always do they, they don't tell you directly what the story is but uh, you pick up pieces There there is a thing called an Elden Ring there was oh God, there was like a, a god who shattered it called Marika and now her, her offspring have the pieces of the Elden Ring and you got to go kill them because you're a tarnished and yada 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 it doesn't really matter it's very cool though the world is excellent and uh, and the story elements you pick up you do pick up along the way are very fascinating but i didn't have all i i was kind of fighting the last boss and i was like who's this again (laughs) because like i was was kind of like i've i've heard this name mentioned through the game but i actually don't know um i'm like like with bloodborne i'm actually learning more from the elden ring story from going on watching youtubers now after i finished it that doesn't take away like i said. The world building and the lore is fantastic, but the main stories that this game will be telling is your stories your adventures like the the funny little mishap when you completely fuck up an enemy or the, the discovering this place and you that that's one the main things and and since it's kind of a multiplayer experience as well, you can share that with other people and you can see messages that other players have left behind mm. and stuff like that as well,
0: which is you know uh, not what horizon is horizon is a very <laughs> narratively driven yeah, game. Is, yeah, which... yeah,
1: it's clearly clearly one of their like it's it's a game like um Spider-Man like Ghost of Tsushima where they wanted to make an open world game, right? But they clearly one of the main things they want to do with Horizon is tell
0: this story, this epic kind of cinematic story, right? Yeah. 100%. And you know, to me the characterizations, the characters, the 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 story as a whole is one of the strongest Things of yep. Horizon as as a franchise, and you know we're not going into spoiler territory, but John Claude Van Damme is in the game. I knew it. <laughs> 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 but did you know that Carrie Ann Moss is in the game? I didn't. Awesome, I love her. Did you know that Angela Bassett is in the game? What a star-studded cast! I did know um Lance Reddick's in it, isn't he? Yeah, Lance Reddick returns as uh, mm. Silens or Silas. Um, These I, are all brilliant actors, and obviously,
1: um, and um, uh, oh my god, on oh, Ashley Ashley Birch. Ashley Birch is Aloy, and she's like, wonderful. I actually currently watching the English dub of Attack on Titan, and she's in that as well.
0: She's just oh, all over the place. These days, she's all her. over the place. Yeah, she's uh, she's blown up um, from Hey Ash, what you playing? Remember yes, those Liam. Yeah, YouTube skits, and uh, yeah, her brother Anthony used to write for Destructoid. Yes, and then he went over to um, Gearbox, and Gearbox. he wrote Borderlands Two with that team ancient gaming history we're dealing with here. there you go folks <laughs> as part of the lore of Elden Ring <laughs> um but it is a star so one of the you know if i were to have a complaint about Horizon go on. um is is that they didn't necessarily take advantage of the the star power that they had oh. in the, in um, in the second one the uh the story goes places one of my big things after the first Horizon um you know which obviously sets it up for a sequel etc you got a really really good potential bad guy um and silence who's you know whose moral moral compass is you know you're still figuring it out i, I don't even think he knows what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on he's just doing what he what, kind of wants to do but it goes in a direction where you just don't see it going which is you know uh, which is great because that was going to be one of my biggest questions before i started the game which is like you know how how do you really progress this story in 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 this world um and they take it in a in a direction that I don't think anyone saw coming and it's tough i think in open open world games that you know you're Liam, you, you are correct in saying that they do take this story and they 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 break it up into and they certain aspects and they put it you know around the world for for you to progress through um but what Horizon does really, really well. Is that the stories that's around that actual world, which is based in you know the United States? Um, you know, it's very, future. very Was game it? Game of Thrones esque. Yes, um, and all of the side missions that you are you are doing, and the characters that you encounter, they all have their kind of own. Ad- uh, they have their own agenda. They have their own lives that feel lived. Um, and you're as Aloy you know, you're essentially, you know, you're the Bono to these people. They come to you looking for help and for money. And <laughs> I, just, I, I don't understand that. Before, but... <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, ev- everyone knows Aloy. A- Aloy is the savior. Um, okay. And Aloy is like, she's, you know, known for, um, you know, helping everyone in, in the first game. And the ramifications of that means she's, you know, a, a U.S. superstar essentially Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. everywhere you go she's like oh my god it's the savior we have something going on can she help us yeah catch it and what's really really good and what they what they executed brilliantly is that all of the side quests that you do um don't necessarily push that main narrative tread forward but it opens up the worlds that it feels completely lived in Right. Um, like it's you know all of these tri- like essentially tribes that have uh you know uh formed uh allegiances fighting other tribes who are trying to take over because of x history um there's a like there's a lot going on there's one of the things i fucking hate in video games is uh, essentially the new dialects that you need to learn because everyone is speaking about these events that happened and it's it's and that's but where my comparison. Another comparison: to Final Fantasy Thirteen, which obviously isn't great, just is all like, the made-up, Mickey-uppy terminology that's in the game. Yeah, man, starting that game, seed, seed, Johnny seed. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> like, what is going on? And it was the same here, right? And which is, you actually do spend a lot of time going through your um, your bios and your logs, and you know, there's a lot of the world building done through uh, menus. Um, and I was curious if. Elden Ring was done done through that, right? So as in, like, there's audio logs to be found. There's holograms to be found. A lot of the gaps in the story... Man, if you just... If you beeline the story from start to finish and finish that game in 18 hours, you're doing yourself a massive disservice because there's so much of that story filled in from different aspects, you know, around the world that you collect.
1: And that's great to make the side quests feel meaningful because that's definitely one of the criticisms I have for a lot of open-world games. And it's funny, like, we... We're, we're doing an episode about open world games and neither of us have played like the witcher 3 that's supposed to be one of the most famous ones for having meaningful content in the side mission so i think and is that do you think that's an improvement that horizon
0: forbidden west did in, compa- in comparison to 100 100 percent one? Um, you know on, on some of my notes here it's like you spoke about it i think it was your game number nine or number eight from your top 10 ps4 mm-hmm. games spider-man um out of the three of us, um, be you and Marcy, I think I was the biggest advocate for Spider-Man. I yep. put a lot of... No, I'm an I put, advocate for it as well. I think it's really good. <laughs> no, you hated that game. Um, yeah, I did. I, 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 was, I, I comic put, books. <laughs> I put a lot of time into that game, but, you know, it, it it really just... It was hollow. You know, there was a lot of that game that was hollow. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. It's... if you know, If Horizon... I find with a lot of open... That transition to open world for, you know, for developers who haven't played in that space before they're kind of going like you know it's by the numbers right it's like okay we need to have fetch quests there's side side quests there's you know some uh, battle arenas um and i feel like spider-man 1 i feel like horizon i feel like a lot of uh ubisoft games it's kind of you know those checklist things okay we have them The you know we can release the game Horizon 2, like The Witcher, which I, I've i played like seven hours of, it's like, okay, how do we provide meaning to everything that you do? Because ultimately you can't change that. You can't change a fetch quest. A fetch quest is going to be a fetch quest, but the difference is, in Spider-Man, you're swinging around the city. The transversal is incredible, feels amazing. But you're fucking finding 100 Spider-Man masks that Peter left around the city. Yeah, you're finding his backpacks, yeah. After a while, I was just like, I refuse to collect any more backpacks.
1: I don't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but exactly, right? Like yeah. There's no there's no meaning behind yeah. that. There's no, you know, the, if if the Horizon approach was taken to Spider-Man, you know, there would be a, Okay, there's a optional um there's an optional boss there who is trying to find out Spider-Man's identity and you need to collect those backpacks because yeah. they contain elements of his life, right? Like isn't that there is there is a little bit of that in Spider-Man, but it is very much
1: a smaller part of it than what you're saying, to kind of go here. Oh, another building side we have to beat up a bunch of cronies, you know, and if I if I web four of them against the wall i get a special bonus points so i'm like i'm not catering to this i'm not <laughs> i'm not allowing myself to do this but if there is yeah. some stuff like there's a whole um side quest in spider-man one with tombstone, you know, that tombstone that villain that, and that's the stuff i really wanted to see more of i'd hope they do more of that in the second spider-man game
0: um tell me about the combat of uh elden ring game it's like very hard
1: See, the, the, the thing about the thing about um, uh, Elden Ring, and I, I can't speak for the entire franchise, like Dark Souls and stuff like that, because I haven't played them yet, but uh, Bloodborne as well, is, uh, they have reputations for being incredibly difficult. And there's a big um, discussion that's been going on for years and years of like, it's, it's put easy modes into these games for, for, to make them more accessible to players who can't play hard games. But the secret is that they don't need um, uh, a difficulty setting. Uh, and Elden Ring is a perfect example of a game that's so customizable, however you want to play it. So the combat it can be extremely different from different people. I decided to go because I I usually do when I have options. I'm not like a, I'm not like a magic guy when I have options. So I went for just strength a strength build. I wanted to just hit things with my sword and reflecting real
0: life. I get you, <laughs> yeah,
1: and blocking my shield. So mechanically, I found the Elder Ring combat like it feels a bit stiff at first, but as soon as you get used to it, it's just. Um, really simple but really brilliant and just that uh, you can parry attacks you can like uh you know a lot of dodge rolling but then i've seen online people who went for magic builds and just those insane things that i never actually got to to, to see in that game because i didn't actually do much magic and if i played it again i definitely would uh that have some so magic but to answer your question on the 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 combat in elden ring is completely customizable to such an, an amazing degree that you can have two different players who can have two different experiences and also, you can call in. Other, if you have a friend who has Elden Ring, you can call. Like I said, you can call them in and play. So, like Miyazaki, the the lead designer of it, he he said that he thinks more people will finish this one than all his other games because he thinks it's the most. Um, not that it's the easiest. He thinks there's there's the most kind of options for players like calling in multi people multiplayer uh changing your build entirely because you can you can you can find a way in that game like if you if you're going through that game you're going all strength and you're like oh shit i want some magic you can find a way to like respect your character entirely so the the options are huge but um yeah there's so so many ways to make it easier for you but um if you kind of knuckle down though and you kind of uh, i don't want to summon in other players i don't want to do this it is so difficult it is really really hard and it's really punishing and one of my biggest criticisms of the game is i actually don't think all of the difficulty is actually good some of it's very manufactured artificial kind of this is just hard for the sake of it and i didn't find that in bloodborne at all and i'm not saying this this defines elden ring but there was enough of it for me to find notable like this ball like i fight this boss and it's amazing this design The, the enemy design and the boss design is some of the best i've ever seen in game every one of them is a standout But some of the bosses that are becoming uh, most famous, most popular from Elden Ring, I actually think are kind of shit. They're kind of shit fights. Like, uh, just a single one out, it's the kind of one that's been cited as maybe the hardest boss ever in a FromSoft game. For some people anyway, she's called Melania. She's, like, a secret hidden boss near the end. And she has one of the things I hate the most about uh, fights like this, like, in going back to stuff like Metroid or Castlevania, is that she's really difficult and, you know, challenging, but she just has one attack that is like so much worse than everything else she does so you actually just end up fighting and hoping she doesn't do this attack because if she does it you're probably going to get killed by it and i found that very cheap i ended up beating her Mm. and i just didn't like i said i didn't even feel like i didn't even feel good because i i just felt she just felt kind of cheap and there's a lot of that but on the whole though there's some of the best boss fights i've ever found in a game in this game and there's some of the best battles and if you call on your friend for multiplayer that can be a whole different kind of epic as well so the combat the combat is spectacular on but um just some, I I, I think, I, I would love to see it patched. I would love to see some of the more um, annoying bosses patched and made a little bit easier, and then you know you know there's, then there'd be kind of people like, oh, I beat this, I beat Radan before he got patched or whatever, but you know, it, it, all the people who played it before patch we, we're, we're just wasting our lives. <laughs> some of those boss fights, I actually really went, what am I doing? And because when you get into, sometimes you're playing these games and you're like, can't beat a boss, you get this deep frustration, and you're just playing, holding the controller, and in my brain I'm going, like why are these games popular like what what does he think this is interesting you, you just really hate the game sometimes so i think i would patch the game to make it easier which is probably sacrilegious um to some people but uh 90 percent of the time and um, the is usually rewarding and like just so fun to mess around with and there's like so many different weapons and equipment you know? for the last third of that game i had a pot in my head because <laughs> so i just i just liked it i got a pot a pot helmet so yeah he
0: so much it's it, like it's so free and open it's, it's, it's amazing and that's you know i think that's where horizon shines as well good um as as well as being a visual showcase the gameplay loop that moment to moment uh combat interactions you have with a huge variety and you know it's something that i'll give a shout out um to the developer um, gorilla games for there was about 20 or so yeah there was about 20 or so enemy types in the first one and then it's just been completely bolstered to i think it's like 45 now cool, in the, they're uh, like, in
1: the... The, the designs of those enemies are so cool they're all robot dinosaurs and they're all, not even dinosaurs there's robot animals and stuff like and
0: uh, you know you, you are correct and i think in this one they made the shift from it's like we, you know, when they first showcased uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I think the big thing was, look at these fucking awesome robot dinosaurs. <laughs> I think that's what it was, right? It was a robot dinosaur game. You had yeah. your tall necks, you had your kind of raptor based yeah, yeah. uh, dinosaurs, you had some, not necessarily T-Rex, but in this one, it feels like they're more animalistic to their bio. So as in huge variety of like when you're on a beach, you know, you just have like little lobster animals that you're fucking hunting down for their parts and it's fantastic. But then, you know, right behind them accidentally throw a rock at this 50 foot turtle who's, you know, (laughs) it's, it's awesome. But you know, each of those encounters kind of feels like a miniature boss fight and the, the sheer selection of, of weaponry that you have at your disposal in this game uh, is awesome. It is, it kind of does follow on from Horizon 1, which is why, you know, I would say playing back to back, you're not going to get that, you're not going to feel that variety as much. And especially, I finished the game and I found it difficult, like I found the last couple of hours difficult. And that's because post game, I was like, okay, I'll go and do the side stuff. There's a whole fucking bunch of weapons that I'm like, all of this exists. And it was only because of me and I didn't purchase them because yeah. I was so focused on upgrading everything else. If I just went to the shop and what and went buy, I could have got all of these unreal weapons that like would have completely helped me out. And do they could be changed like the combat and stuff. Dude, I missed out. So a big thing of this, right, is a lot of the animals, a lot of the enemy types, they're very, very elemental driven. Right. So as yep. in, there's fire, there's acid, uh, electric. Um, and then you have, you know, you can have a bone arrow, but you can have five different types of bone arrow. That's an element that will go against, uh, the yeah, elemental yeah, okay, type yeah, yeah. of, of the enemy. I missed out on an entire element. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, Oh my, and, and that last hour of the game, a whole load because you can scan is kind of like detective mode. Thank you very much, Arkham, for mm-hmm. putting that into games for the rest of time. Yep. And you know, you scan, you see their weaknesses, you can see what kind of element they are, you can pinpoint their weak spots, and a whole load of them were this type. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? I was like, I was like, where does this exist? I obviously haven't gotten it yet. Mm. Um, and I assume I assumed that it was coming down the line. But no, I just like I essentially never got it. But like the gameplay loop of this is huge enemies very very aggressive difficult and you're given different weapons to how approach the battles that you want to do so as in you can play this game in stealth and you can just do it all by traps like wire traps uh like mine traps um doesn't necessarily work amazingly well a combo of of everything definitely works best Mm -hmm. but the sheer satisfaction of like trapping one of this, you know, a giant animal down using, um, I for, I forget the name of the weapon now, but it's essentially a, a rope latcher and shooting four of those into this massive enemy and it's completely stuck and then planting mines all around it and then ripping apart the armor and the pieces of that, um, of that enemy. And those are your resources, right? That's how you build your ammo. That's how you upgrade uh your weaponry is by tearing apart the pieces of um of uh, of these enemies it's just so satisfying by the end of the game i hadn't even seen all of the enemies you know and that, that just there's the, the massive massive variety and what i loved about this one um about this sequel was there were certain moments with um two big boss battles that were just absolutely outstanding got my ass absolutely kicked until you take that strategic approach right you can't just kick down the door and go all guns blazing you have to apply some level of of strategy um one of them was like this huge tusked elephant um and it's just complete mayhem right and this is where something like the the, the playstation 5 really shines which is the particle's um just the, you know the the lighting all of the effects going on it's like a sight to behold yeah. um and then the other one was uh, uh a gigantic snake in uh an arena cool and it's just class like absolutely class and i want to give a shout out to the big gameplay uh, element that they added to this that they definitely took inspiration from breath of the wild from mm. was um a glider they, okay, cool. They added, they added a glider, but <laughs> so um, simple, but so, <laughs> so it, fun. It, well, yeah. it's like I don't I don't know what it's like. Well, you have a fucking jumping goat horse in Elden in Ring. Elden right? you do,
1: Torrent. <laughs> yeah, he's a jumping goat. He reminds me, he reminds me of you. Watch Princess Mononoke? Yeah. Yeah, Yakul. Yeah, cool. Sorry, <laughs> he just reminds me of him. I wish I could have named him myself because I would have called him Yakul.
0: But that's the, an aside. Um, yeah, that is well it isn't it isn't <laughs> because the transversal in this game is like it's it's next it's next level right so yeah. the learnings from um Breath of the Wild you know as you said we assume that we'd probably see a lot of that complete freedom mm. um that open world games would give you Horizon is just on the edge mm. of of that you know there's still some blocked areas but for the most part you can can kind of go uh anywhere you want um, and they've opened up how you do that. And two of the things, one being <clears throat> before it was like, whenever you'd reach a high area, you would just, um, grapple and swing down on a rope and it would do a, you know, a, a pre-animated sequence. It would look really fucking cool. Aloy badass, but that's what it was all the time. Right. It was kind of like, uh, Assassin's Creed leap of faith, jumping and into you'd... the hay and all that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and that's what it was for a lot of those points, which is okay. Check. Cool. Awesome animation done whenever you uh get up to a high area. In this one, the game wants you to revel in its in its beauty, right? So you can go up to the top of a mountain and then you literally just glide for like two minutes. And again, this is this is where I think um next generation of consoles are going, which isn't, you know, everything is super beautiful, but it's the quick load times, it's the amount they can put on screen yes. because you're going down and you're just everything is populated. You know, all of the forests are populated. There's hardly any pop in. And it's just a a gorgeous sight to behold. And then that during combat is you're able to grapple yourself up onto high points, boost yourself, and then glide away from animals that you can then (laughs) drop and then Breath of the Wild, slow motion, bone arrow. Oh, yes. So as in I don't I don't re- I don't remember I I don't know if you remember like that first gameplay trailer that they showed for Horizon and that's that's what it was it was just pure transversal yeah, yeah. um around these combat areas and it works like it made it made you feel really really fucking badass that one time in ten that you pulled it off because because <laughs> hard to pull off it is uh, it it is hard to pull off
1: but speaking of uh, like Breath of the Wild which is one of my favorite games of all time um. But kind of the subtle things I think it did that a lot of um, open world games didn't do was, you know, very early on in that game, like, there, like, like a lot of Ubisoft games, um, Breath of the Wild kind of took the idea of towers. you got to climb a tower and that's how you kind of get a new area on your map. Yeah. But in like an like Assassin's Creed game, you would do that and it would give you a load of markers of where to go. Go here, do this. But Breath of the Wild didn't do that. It added detail to your map. And then the old man, you meet this old man. He literally says, when you're up in that tower, have a look around. And I that's so small. But I thought, standing up in that tower and looking around yourself and seeing sites of interest, seeing something like, I mean, and then marking it on your map yourself, or, 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 or putting, you know, those one of those markers that you can just um press, you can do it not even on the map screen. You can just have Link to it. That was so much more meaningful because suddenly you're plotting your own kind of little journeys and your little adventures, and that's what i think elden ring is extremely good at as well but what breath of the wild does i remember when breath of the wild was announced that they'd have remember the shrines in breath of the yep. wild which are kind of mini dungeons i remember being initially really um disappointed by those because they're all going to look the same i was like oh i think what's be cool about a big open world game is not really finding things that look the same you know they're all they're all orange um infrastructures that glow basically so you know where they are i want to find you know different things but i when, when you actually playing that game i think the shrines are genius because they're they're orange and they like um they very much clash against any environment and the ones that you've completed are blue so you know but you want to get to them because you they do a little mini you're playing a zelda game you want to do puzzles and dungeons like, so they're fun to do also completing them gives you um uh the, you, it lets you upgrade either your stamina or your health so you want to do that because uh breather was hard and it, upgrading is significant so whenever you see them on 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 the map and they always look the same they're always orange you kind of get excited and i think in a weird way they're kind of one of the best collectibles ever in a game because you want you want to kind of get to them but what ends up happening is that they're not just something you're trying to get to they kind of give you direction always so you're always kind of pointed in a direction in in breath of the wild towards these shrines but what you find along the way is really what's going to be like the bread and butter of of those games i think um elden ring does that similar except that they got rid of the kind of exact same shrine looking things and i think it's a little bit more natural Uh, i think the shrines are genius but i think elden ring is even better at the just kind of you're always traveling somewhere to do something but you'll find five or six things along the way and when you go into your look at your map the map is so detailed in a way that you can actually use it like a map you can actually uh, kind of look at the kind of layout of the land because there's a lot of verticality in the land of uh, elden ring a lot of kind of cliff edges going above, you know, flat land masses and yada yada. So you actually need the map, not just for the markers you've made, but to actually see the topography of the land. And I mm-hmm. did feel just like a little adventurer boy with my little map going and going on these little journeys. And I think that's just in Breath of the Wild as well, like it used stuff like music to lure you like the the um stables in Breath of the Wild always had the same music playing. So um that would be kind of if you hear the music that would be kind of almost like a comfort because okay cool I found this kind of haven. And uh, Elden Ring does that in kind of opposite, because Elden Ring is not comfy and cozy like a Zelda game. It's um, quite dangerous, so it, it uses kind of you know sound effects like wolves howling, and you know you can hear creatures before you see them to kind of kind of kind of signify what you what's ahead of you, but also kind of you know to kind of scare you and stuff like. Because I think what Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild do brilliantly is more so like i'm like i'm a big you know obviously big gaming nerd i just think better than any movie or any uh book even is just the the stereotypical fantasy adventure this is the best version of that kind of thing and what i like a lot in fantasy adventure stories like you know to use like movies as examples to like bring a princess mononoke again or the lord of the rings i love the bits that are between the you know the key scenes the traveling the scope the scale what Elden Ring is is that it's it's not the destination; it's the journey, and I, it's it's lonely. You feel isolated. There's if there's a creature there, it's a threat that you're actually afraid of. You're scared of it. It's not something. It's not something you can just kind of uh, you know just kill uh, like with, with no problem. So it kind of conjures up all the feelings you want to get conjured up in a fantasy adventure: the kind of fear of the unknown, but the the scope of the land, and also the kind of isolated hero. And I think. I I think pound for pound, Breath of the Wild is still my preferred game, but I think Elden Ring is the best example of uh, just I don't know uh, what be the best way to describe it. Just like what people are trying to conjure in D and D games for like decades, just the the stereotypical fantasy adventure, and I think Elden Ring gets that perfectly. And if you're a big fantasy nerd, I think it's it's you you'll love it. Like,
0: mm-hmm. uh, you know, Liam, that that's well said, and I I would I would argue the design philosophy and how horizon forbidden west executed its type of open world and its genre of open world um is of probably the best that i've played and it's not what i think they would dub as quote-unquote emergent gameplay right um which is what um Breath of the Wild and that Elden Ring appears to have. You know, you, you speak about those moments, especially in the Assassin's Creed, which is, you know, you reach that watchtower and what it does is it populates the, the icons within your map. Very interestingly, what uh, Horizon did in this one, which is um, a, a, a subtle change from the first one, is the tall necks, which act as your, you know, the the those are Towers, your Brachio- yeah, or, or brachiosaurus whatever. kind of dinosaurs. Yeah. Those are like shrines.
1: Yeah, those so are puzzles unto
0: themselves, are they? Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. so they cut them in half. There's only four or five, mm-hmm. but you know, a really one of my favorite ones was you have to swim out into the ocean. You're on the co- you're on the coasts by San Francisco, and you have to swim out into the into the ocean and one in them its head is like essentially sticking out of the water but it's all buried and you're right there is a level of verticality to 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 horizon as well which is you have a swimming ability so as in you have to like dive down and find out okay this is submerged in water it has no power cells so i have to find a way to get its power cells and then it turns out that um some of the sun wings, which are the flying animals, had taken the power cells to its nest around the area. (laughs) So you have to go and steal those, uh, give it power, and then getting on top of it, um, you know, some of them is the puzzle for for some of the tall necks. And then it opens up all of the icons. So, and, you know, that's where it becomes and is a different open world game to the likes of Breath of the Wild and to uh elden ring it, it can seems, be a, it
1: sounds like it still has the dna of these old ubisoft type open world games but they're refined. definitely trying to make it more yeah. interesting yeah more interesting to kind, you know kind of, um,
0: evolve it exactly you know i i i've played seven to 12 hours of the witcher tree mm-hmm. this is a game who was designed by people who probably were massive fans of the likes of the witcher of uh fallout of the that ubisoft games because remember gorilla games you know those guys they were the developers of kill zone the kill zone first person shooter series before this horizon was their first open world game right so as in like while the first one is an eight out of you know an eight out of ten maybe 7.5 out of 10 Mm -hmm. you know this elevates it to the nine out of 10 game and i feel like where where this game is going from a narrative perspective, and then what they can potentially build on, you're looking at that third one being a potential um, ten out of ten. Uh, w- you know, without ruining anything, it, it it you know it just opens itself up, right? Um, and then Actually, that, there's a there's a
1: I don't know, but isn't there like some w-
0: wide swing the story takes? Yep. In this like, set, as in yeah, you're, I have no idea what it was. Yeah, you're in, or you're like, you're in, or you're not, right? Yeah, so, yeah. as in, like, uh, I, I for one. Loved it because like you said with the fantasy side of things, Horizon takes that swing with the sci-fi side of things. And it feel it feels like one of kind of like a B uh like a B movie swing for defenses of like, okay, okay oh, this is fucking weird, but I'm in <laughs> I'm in. I right. didn't expect this from a triple A game of kind of <laughs> you know that's based in technology versus religion. Yeah. You know, that that and that's kind of what the first one was like. So um and what else I'm looking forward to, and I hope Elden Ring does this as well, I'm sure that they will, is like, what is that world? I'm sure that world is rich to expand upon. And one of the things I'm looking forward to, you know, I've spoken about my love for um, VR and I'm a big VR advocate and the big AAA game that they're bringing to PlayStation VR 2 is is a Horizon VR game that looks is it, yeah? sensational. Like as in, you know, next level. So it's kind of... um they're opening up that world to, to exploration through, um, you know, multimedia, like it's rich for, um, a TV or a a film adaptation, which I'm sure we will see, um, see at some stage, good characters, great world.
1: Um, I think,
0: I think, um, Elden Ring
1: is planned to be a franchise. As far as I know, I was reading something that, uh, Bandai want, wanted to be another kind of Dark Souls trilogy or something like that. So we'll see more
0: will see Hopefully. more and liam i truly believe that and i i hope i'm right i believe that breath of the wild 2 was delayed until next year because of elden ring but to not compete it compete with it or no I, I, by it? I think i think they're inspired by it yeah i'm
1: okay with that i i'm very happy to wait um for zelda games like um you know nintendo are just trying to make the best game possible so but uh I just feel like we've seen so little of it. If it's even like I, I, I hope we still see a lot of it this year. I'm super hyped for um, what this game is going
0: to be. And Liam, I hope I see more of you, I, you this probably year. will. You probably will. Yeah, you're looking very Chris Evans today. If Thank I do you. say so myself.
1: My God, Captain America, or not the, another the BBC, BBC
0: presenter? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever happened to him? He was married to Billy Piper at one he stage. Was. Or at least he was dating her. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, as of course, this has been another episode of Hey Look Listen. If you could tip your server on the way out or leave a positive review on any of the podcasting services where you download us, that would be greatly appreciated. Spread the word. And, and if not, just please keep listening to us because we love you what liam said and of course we will be back with another episode soon sponsored by our first sponsor pitch meeting pitch no actually they haven't been responding to my
1: email since the last episode actually <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, liam it was a uh, great to have this chat with you it's always good to see you so i look forward to our next one and thank you everyone for listening bye-bye bye